not about to predict any kind of grand history here, but I can revisit some grand history and maybe, just maybe, make a little bit of a connection. Good morning to you. Good Thursday morning. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports, and this is Daily Shot of Penguins. It comes your way bright and early every weekday. If you're into football and or baseball, I also offer Daily Shots of Steelers and Pirates where you found this. Penguins are going to take on the high-flying Canucks, and I mean the high-flying Canucks, on an 11-2-2 run in which they've scored 57 goals in those 15 games. That's tonight at 7.08 p.m. at PPG Paints Arena. I'll be there covering it for DK Pittsburgh Sports, and I'm looking forward to seeing, what, like a quarter of their team? Used to be Penguins and their coach and their GM and their president of hockey operations and everybody. Well, at any rate, I'm going to take you on a little bit of a detour this morning. And if you hadn't heard this, if you don't follow the entire organization all that closely, yesterday, Joel Blomquist was named Wilkes-Barre Scranton's Lone representative to the AHL All-Star Classic that'll take place February 4 and 5 in San Jose. And he not only had this happen to him on his 22nd birthday, but he also really, really earned it. This wasn't one of those where you'll see an organization or even a league like at the league level, focus on younger players because they want to showcase the future and so forth. In Blomquist's case, he ranks fifth in the AHL, not among rookies, but among all players with a 2.16 goals against. He ranks fifth in the league with a 920 save percentage. And get this, in his last five games for Wilkes-Barre Scranton, he's given up one goal in each of those. That very much has the attention of management, I'm told. But more significant than that, that's that's a pretty healthy trajectory, okay? This kid is in his first full year on this side of the pond. And I'm going to read you some of these names here. He's the seventh AHL All-Star goaltender from the Wilkes-Barre Scranton operation. Joining Danny Saber and John Curry, our old friend Jeff Zatkoff, Matt Murray, Tristan Jari, Casey DeSmith, and out of everyone I just mentioned there, the only two who were chosen as AHL rookies were Blomqvist and Murray. And now you know where I'm going, because Murray was 22 years old, remember, in 2016 when he was promoted, and then just took off midseason. Mike Sullivan trusted him. Mike Sullivan was familiar with him from the brief time that Sullivan was the head coach at Wilkes-Barre Scranton. And away they went. And a player who wasn't seen as having really any chance of cracking the NHL roster all of a sudden was driving this team to, well, you know where. An eventual championship. No, no, no. An eventual two championships. Now, again, I'm not going to make a prediction here. I'm not going to say, you know, here comes Blumquist and they're going to do this and they're going to do that. Well, they could be making trades or whatever else. But he puts them 
and his performance puts them in the most unexpected position of all, which is that of a team that has something to sell at the deadline, as opposed to the Penguins always just focusing on, wow, how how do you clear out cap space? How do you add this person? How do you take on this much salary? How do you get the other team to eat that much salary? There are teams, contenders in the NHL, who are desperate for goaltending. <laughs> Toronto, Toronto, Toronto. <laughs> but it isn't just the Leafs. There's more of them in both conferences. And maybe, because all it takes is one, there will be a match of some sort. Maybe the goaltender who gets traded won't be the one that you expect. Now, I don't like trading young goaltenders. I don't like watching Philip Gustafson uh, completely kill it up there in St. Paul. That's no fun. Gustafson, if this team was being run properly, would be the number one goaltender here, and the Penguins wouldn't be spending a zillion dollars off of their cap space on Jari. But it didn't work out that way. Of course, if I was really rewinding here, the Penguins wouldn't have let go of Marc-Andre Fleury if everyone had known about Murray's injury issues and so forth, and yeah, we could do this all day. What they have right now, what they have right now, is one goaltender who almost everybody thought was going to be the backup in Alex Nedeljkovic, who is outplaying the guy who's at number one. Can he sustain that? There's not much precedent for it, but when you see how hard Nedeljkovic works and how much more quiet his game has become, I think that's the right word for it. He's not splattering himself all over creation. He's staying... Uh, within the crease, he's really aggressive when it comes to stick handling opportunities, but otherwise he's not flopping all over the way he used to. And then you have Jari. <sighs> I'm, I'm tired of analyzing him in, in either direction. I'm tired of saying that he's great on nights that he's great because all that does is get you a lot of blowback. I'm tired of saying or suggesting that he stinks on nights that he's terrible, because I don't think that's true either, but then you feel like you have to defend it. He's just, I, I've got Jari fatigue to an extent. And when I look at the contract that was signed between Jari and Kyle Dubas this past summer, I got a lot of concerns, just like everybody else. And I'm sure that included Dubas at the time he put pen to paper. But then along comes this kid, you know, and what do you do with him? Do you bury him? Do you say, hey, listen, you know, keep battling it out down there with Magnus Helberg and keep showing us what you got. We want to see a whole year of you. Or do you reach a point where you just go, you know what? I mean, let's just see what he's got. Let's just see what's, uh, what's possible. He's not necessarily Matt Murray at age 22. But he's, you know, who's ruling it out? And if he comes up and shows you something, totally different dialogue, huh? When we come back, J1Q. Today's J1Q relates to yesterday's Daily Shot of Penguins, which was a 
great, big, long, impassioned defense of Eric Carlson's performance to date in Pittsburgh. KW says, DK, I'm not worried about EK65. I'm more worried about who his partner's going to be. Ryan Graves, P.O. Joseph. Graves was better in the last game, but he's overall been a big disappointment and I think a liability. KW, the part of your question that disappoints me, I'm not going to blame you for, but you left out John Ludwig. And I get that because Ludwig has been in there for half a game and then got knocked out for a month. And then Ludwig was back in the lineup, got into a fight with the Islanders, Matt Martin, which I'm convinced led to this latest injury that's only been described by the Penguins as upper body. But I mean, come on, doesn't take a detective. And then he's out again and then he's out of mind again. And that really sucks because This kid has shown you so much of what you want to see on this team in general, never mind just as a left-handed defenseman, whether he's on the second pairing or the third pairing. I liked what I saw of him paired with uh, Chris Letang, where he actually had a handful of opportunities there. I think he's someone who can complement Letang's own Physical style, and yes, Latang does have a physical style. Watch a little bit more closely. But then he's just gone. Poof. I think he could be a really good penalty killer, but we don't know because he's gone. Poof. You know, can he work alongside Carlson? No idea. Haven't seen it. Why? Yeah, that. So I have a feeling that if things can finally go, Ludwig's way. And he's frustrated. He's exasperated, actually, as you might imagine. Uh, this is a this is a good dude who's been battling really hard for a chance. It finally came to him. He appeared to seize it and then just can't stay on the rink. And that's I, I can't even he probably sees all of this as just kind of passing him by, you know, especially when you look out there. I mean, Not that he would ever say this, and he might not even think it, but if you look out there and I look out there and see that there's a bunch of left-handed defensemen who can't play, other than Marcus Pedersen, of course, what are you going to be thinking? I could be out there. I could be making that difference. I could be setting myself up for a long-term NHL career. I'd like to see Ludwig get that chance is what I'm saying. I hope the Penguins are patient, uh, both with his recovery And with his misfortune, meaning not labeling him in some way. And I also, I don't know, man, because I'm going to be honest with you here. In the opening segment, when I'm talking about the Penguins trading or potentially trading a goaltender, the first position that I think of is probably the same one that you think of, which is left D. Sure, you can always add someone or something to the forward group. You can hope that you can stretch your forward lines to the point that you've got a, you know, a number three unit that can pump some goals in on a regular basis. Maybe that's a winger. I don't know. But the first thing you think of that you have to think of is that second left-handed defenseman because the way you have your right side structured is that Latang and Carlson are going to eat up a lot of minutes. They're going to play 27, 28, even more minutes. 
Pedersen, he doesn't get quite that. He's not out there on, on the power play. He is obviously on PK. But Pedersen has at least shown that he can handle 20-plus without wearing down. That's been a major positive to this season that I don't hear anybody talking about. But then behind that, if you throw off that balance, the balance that they'd hoped they were getting when they forked over all that money to Graves, it's, it's, it's a spot. It's a spot. And it does need to be addressed. I appreciate the question. I appreciate everybody who listens to Daily Shot of Penguins. We're going to do another one of these tomorrow. 